Three mornings a week, we meet before breakfast for an early morning run. We spend most of our time planning and reflecting on what's happening in our classrooms. This has become our favorite professional development. So we figured, why not share these moments with you? Welcome to Math Before Breakfast. This is episode 80. I'm Tracy Prophet. I'm Ruth Arkiaga. And I'm Jay Prophet. And we are back to talk about comparing fractions. Part two. Yeah, we got we got long-winded yesterday. <laughs> and um, ooh, we just gave ourselves up. We said we were going for a run. We're actually podcasting instead of running <laughs> um, because we wanted to finish. We already went for a run. Oh, remember? yeah. Run to get the coffee before it was <laughs> time to start. <laughs> well, and we also have the meteorologist who said it was going to be raining this morning. Oh, so good this reason. Was a good day. Too. There we go. Good, good save, Ruth. Yeah. Good call. <laughs> good reason to podcast. Okay. So if you are just randomly picking up this episode, I would suggest that you go back to the last one and hear the beginning of our uh, conversation about comparing fractions. So go to episode 79 around minute 25. 26. About 25 and a half is yeah. what it turns out to be. Yeah. Um, so we're just going to jump right in where we left off. Um, we are looking at the third strategy for comparing, or a third strategy for comparing fractions. And on this, oh, and if you're following along on the um, Google Slides, we're on slide nine. Uh, we suggest that you take open it up because I think it'll make a lot more sense if you're looking to. Um Unless you're driving, then just yeah. listen yeah. and go home. <laughs> and then look at them later. Look back later. Or maybe you could like open up on your phone and set on the dashboard and, you know. Yeah, Ruth okay, is like. Probably shouldn't do that Yeah, stuff. Ruth is like, she's got that thing cut on that says, don't message me. I'm in the car. Oh. I just, My husband I just don't turned respond. that on for me. Do you, do you really abide by it, Ruth? Or well, do you it doesn't ref- let me know you texted me. So. Ah, okay. Yeah, it holds the alerts. I, I think it. I don't know if it used to be on by default. I remember seeing it and thought, oh, that's cool. But I, I took it off because I couldn't see when somebody texted or somebody yeah. let me know. But I don't I do not do much in the car other than make sure I'm listening to a podcast or music. Okay. So so we support safe driving. So if you're in the car, like <laughs> okay, Ruth yeah, said, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> okay. Um, so you're looking, we are looking at, and I hope you will look at, four number lines. Um, and there are pairs of fractions that are being compared on the number lines. And there are four of them. I think I said that. And so I'm going to let these guys say what they see, what strategy this is prompting the observer to notice or use. So in the center, you have your one half, which as a sixth grade math teacher, you just hope that students can use that as a benchmark and understand that one half can be written. (laughs) so many different ways. Right. This is probably the fav- my favorite strategy that I use. Even if it's bigger than one half, but how close is it to one half? Mm, yeah. Um, so it's not just, you know, before or after or right on, but sometimes just being able to think about how close it would be. So. Jay, do you want to add anything? I was saying that you, um, <clears throat> excuse me, you have putting on there or written for them. Well, the, the fractions that are compared have different denominators. And so you create one half in using both denominators so that then they can there, they can then compare the ones that are given to what that half would be in that denominator. And then, you know, you've put it on the number line already, but it would help them decide is this greater than half? This is less than half. Um, and they could, figure out which ones it, it would give them the possibility of figuring out which one's um, greater than without actually converting both of them to the same denominator. They don't have to be the same denominator, but they can compare them to a equivalent fraction with using the denominator of what it already has. Yeah. Um, I'll <clears throat> that was po- a lot of words. It probably it could have been streamlined. But. <laughs> yeah. I, I wasn't exactly following with the end, but I, but your beginning part about um, making the, Showing the half in with different denominators. I would say when I was young, I learned to compare fractions. You need to make them have the same denominator. Yeah. And this way, you don't have to take that step. Right. You can compare them to a benchmark, in this case, one half, and see, is it greater than that one half? Is it less than one half? 
this one's greater than, this one's less than, so this one's got to be greater than the other one. Perfect. And I think it's important to point out that some of these have, some of the fractions that we're comparing have odd denominators, which like the first one just has fourths and eighths that they're comparing. And so it's really simple to, to figure out half of four and half of eight in order to figure out the one half fraction with those denominators. But I purposely put some on here with halves um, and wrote the one half as one and a half thirds. And I remember being like one of the first years I taught fourth grade, seeing a kid put a decimal as a numerator, like 2.5 fifths or something like that. And like, mm-hmm. whoa, you know, it kind of like, is that right? Am I, do I tell him not to do that? And it's, if you look in like, I mean, you're not going to see that in the newspaper or something, but if you look in books where people are teaching about student strategies, that's totally acceptable to write that mm-hmm. for, for the meaning that it has. Do you, do you ever use that, Ruth? Do you write oh, it like that? We, so we do a whole notice and wonder when we get to the one half where it's a multiplication chart. And so if you run your fingers horizontal on a multiplication chart, you can see all the fractions that are equal to one half. Okay. And then the next slide is a multiplication chart where I've zoomed it out and put the odd denominators in the multiples of two. So it's no longer a multiplication chart. But then we talk about, because the patterns in the ones and the patterns in the twos, what would go up here. Hmm. And as a class, they're able to well, we know all of these equal to one half and in between the one and the two would be one and a half. So we find those patterns and then you talk about what does that mean? What does that tell you? That's cool. Um, Is that something you would share? um, It's something I would share. I would find it. Okay, cool. (laughs) I guess it is now. Thanks, Tracy. So three (laughs) nights from now when I'm working on the show notes, I'm going to send you a text, okay? Hey, find this random thing. It's, yeah, I... For sure. Okay. It's probably easier for me to remake it, okay. but then get out my hard drive from <laughs> before. Right. So, but yeah, I would for sure. And I wanted to go back to your, the whole like nine twentieths and five ninths. Okay. I, I just want to give you like props for getting your red and your blue hash mark because you could, because of how close your red one is to the one half, you could totally show how that would help you compare 11 twentieths to five ninths, which is where I was getting that you can tell how close it is to one half. Like if I just moved that red hash mark to the other side, it would be closer to one half. It would still be smaller than five ninths. Right. I was going to say, I can see that. That makes sense. Wait, I I have to think about this. One, okay. One, nine... No, 11 20th is one. I have to think of it not just with a picture. So one 20th bigger than a half. Right. Five ninths is half half, of a ninth. Half of a ninth, which is one 18th. If, if, because I need to go to, I need to make us, make us have the same numerator. So one 18th bigger than a half, which is a bigger piece bigger than a more than a half over right? right did i say that right mm-hmm. you did yeah is anybody gonna follow i don't know but probably not i can tell that the red the red mark is closer to the center than the blue mark is mm-hmm. so it would still fit on the other side of half yeah. and be less than five ninths i just I, I totally see what you're saying ruth i just also know that i just put them there myself i didn't actually measure i was estimating so i wouldn't want to count on my <laughs> well you did a good job estimating strategies to be <laughs> well, sure that's why i gave you a shout out because it was right okay great i wouldn't have said anything if you had you know <laughs> boogered it, it didn't work i mean your but, your handwriting and not your handwriting like anyway but your drawing and your hand drawing of these things are excellent and easy to understand thanks and it gives it you know i think sometimes when it's printed i'm not gonna say it's less easy to understand you can still see the numbers but i i really i really appreciate how that you put in the the time to hand draw it 
so that it looks like somebody has worked a problem, mm. but it is super easy to read. There's no issues with, you know, you know, is this two and a half fifths? You know, what was a smudge over here? You know, that kind of stuff. And it's very, it's very exacting. Thanks. Um, since y'all are paying so close attention to how I made it, I will tell you that I used a tool on MathSpot, um, which is that it's close to the very bottom of his page and it's called multi number line and you can i mean there's lots of places to to create a number line on the web but this one i like because you can make multiple within the same page like at the same time and you can move them around um and so i created this number line that has three sections with the biggest section being one so that there's a zero one half and and one spot i had to um i had to use white to go over the one half spot because they he, he it only uses decimals as the oh. markings does that make any sense so it's at point hmm. five instead right of one half. yeah so i had to like erase with a, a white pen <laughs> um but i used my in what is that thing called intuos it's a wacom tablet yeah wacom that's funny i thought it was wacom you well you wacom Wacom, all kinds of names. Yeah, okay. Well, it's a tablet, like a drawing tablet, to add in all the numbers once I took a snip of the multi-number line thing, in case any nerds out there want to know how to do something similar. <laughs> okay, great. Some people are like, oh, I don't care. Let's just <laughs> get back to comparing fractions. So that one was the compare to benchmarks. And mostly we talked about comparing to one I half. I haven't used the word benchmark. You really did. You are just what? becoming a fraction master. Okay, so I had to put in a little extra slide next um, to um, to point out that one half isn't the only benchmark. You can also use one whole. You can also use zero. And, you know, there are plenty of other benchmarks that you could use. Um, And so this next slide is three-fourths and nine-tenths. And how about so that I'm not doing all the talking, somebody say how we what you're doing here. This is where you have students who say, (laughs) well, three-fourths is one piece away from the whole, and nine-tenths is one piece away from the whole, so they must be equal. Or, Mm -hmm. so I need another strategy. I can't tell just from that. Right. And so being able to use this benchmark is, is great. But when Tracy and I were running and we were talking about this, this is something that's really hard to understand. So I've never, obviously this is something that you could project to help teach it, but typically this strategy comes out in a number talk and you have a student who says something like, well, three-fourths is one away from a whole, but the piece away from a whole it is is bigger. And so it's a smaller fraction. (laughs) Everyone in the class is like, Uh. What in the world? (laughs) So this whole visual thing Mm -hmm. really does help solidify what that student is sharing. And that's that's the beauty of a number talk is that you are able to draw or illustrate the student strategy using his Mm. his words. So if I were going to present this, I wouldn't put this up in the classroom until someone had said that strategy. And then it's just so simple to read, but you just did such a good job, like Jay said, of being able for the kid to say, oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And in case you're driving and not looking at it, it's just two number lines stacked on top of each other where the zero and the one half and the one are like lined up. And I've drawn, I've, I've put three fourths on one, nine tenths on the other. And I've kind of drawn this dotted arrow to show there's a fourth left to go to get to one and then a smaller dotted arrow to show there's a tenth left to go to get to one. Yep. So that's the visual. And Tracy, what about this student who's going to look at this and now they're really comparing one fourth and one tenth and they have a solid understanding of the first strategy because no, second. they have a the second strategy because they have one of each. Right. I mean, I wouldn't try to teach it. I wouldn't try to say, well, you know, since one fourth is bigger then it's really that goes with the smaller fraction because that makes it confusing. Mm -hmm. But I feel like if a student has that many tools in their toolbox, 
they might not even need to visualize it anymore, but just yeah. think about comparing one fourth and one tenth. So yep. Yep, totally. there's a lot of pluses to being able to teach students to be flexible with fractions. Yeah, exactly. So, all right. I think we're moving on from compare benchmark. We're on slide 12 if you want to stay with us. Um, okay. I'm going to describe what we're seeing and then you guys describe what's happening mathematically. Um, this time we're using fraction images of fraction bars, which I got from, uh, this came from Braining Camp, and they are labeled, unlike the first one, uh, the first slide that we talked about, and there are three pairs, um, and I think that's all I'll say. Three pairs of fractions that are being compared. Right. So what strategies happen in here, y'all? So in some of them, you are finding a common denominator or a common size part. Ooh, look at that. Love it. Yes. <laughs> um, and then comparing what you have left over. So the first one's four-fifths and seven-tenths. So you took the four-fifths and um, converted it to eight-tenths. And then I can count the little tenth blocks and see there's eight-tenths on one side and seven-tenths on the other. That was great. And the, and the you can see the green-fifths mm -hmm. and then the yeah. eight-tenths are right below it at yep. the same spot. So you subdivided the fifths into tenths and you can still see both both of those so you see how it how it was subdivided it's not just yeah. miraculously changed yeah good are they all that where they've changed no okay so, so you want me to go so you want Ruth to talk oh. <laughs> either one I don't care <laughs> so then you've got one where you are comparing two sixth and one fourth and you have changed both of them to twelfths again showing both of them so you've for our common language, you've made common denominators. Yeah. Um, but the last one, you... Which is made, also two six and one fourth. Which was a total accident. And when I and was, I was giving like, this presentation, the person noted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you made the same size or the same amount of pieces. So you actually made one fourth equal to two eighths. And now we're using a strategy that's comparing... Two six to two eights. Yeah, this was a bit of like you can't see me, but you know the mind blowing moment for the teachers and for some of them in the group. Like, go ahead, Jay. I think that using the same one twice is good because you can see you can oh. approach it from both directions, and I think it's a great a great way to use the same problem okay. to approach it from different directions. Even though it was, don't tell people it's an accident. Own that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Because I you just I, told everyone. Yeah. yeah. Wait. Yeah. I'll have to edit that out so you sound smart now. Um, but when Ruth was saying it, I had looked down because I, I knew that that was the different strategy. And she started talking. I'm like, Ruth, what are you talking about? That is not what she did. But, you know, Ruth was looking at the top one. So looking at it from different directions, or, or I think it's great. Okay. And, it, and it shows how you can, you know, you can approach it both ways and how it works. I think, I think it's fine. Because, Approaching different problems in different ways don't always help people see how they could how they could work together or how you know I think it's I think this was good. Okay, cool. So just to reiterate, we uh, you know Jay said a few minutes ago, um, he was always taught to compare fractions. You have to get common denominators. But what we're saying here is you don't. If you've learned strategy number two, which is same number of pieces, you can use common numerators and that is just you know not not often taught for a lot of in a lot of classrooms or maybe even like allowed i could bet there could be teachers like no nah, you can't do that it has to be common denominators because mm -hmm. they don't understand go ahead ruth well and let's talk about how the numerators are typically smaller so your mm. multiplication doesn't have to be you know like you're comparing uh, what was the one on the last page? Like ninths and twentieths. Yeah. Well, who wants to find a common denominator for ninths and twentieths? Barf. Yeah. But you could have found a common denominator for five and ten. You know. It, yeah. Ooh, so. good one. That is a good one. Hey, when do you when do you people when do students learn this? Um, fourth grade. Fourth grade. For us. I just wanted to stay real quick to my fourth and or fifth grade math teachers. I, I keep saying 
I didn't learn this way. You could have very well taught me this way. <laughs> I just didn't remember it and latched onto one way. Yeah. So I don't want to be throwing some teachers under the bus, although Aww. I'm probably not still teaching. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I just wanted to throw them under the bus. Just wanted to, to step in there and and say, you, you, you probably did an excellent job and used all these methods. I just know which one lacked, yeah. latched into my head. I know Patsy Sellers wasn't your math teacher, no. but she was real close. She, she could, almost could have been. And is she still teaching? No, but sometimes she listens to our podcast. Okay. She tells us. <laughs> well, so. she was she she was not she had not gotten to the school yet. But yeah. whoever was, I don't remember. Who, I don't remember who's. And I would imagine she would have taught you this. Maybe. Yeah. Okay, so this strategy we named purposefully after I edited. I sort of got some feedback from another coach. Um, we were going to name it change it to the same numerator or denominator, but we decided to use keep our language consistent and called it change to same size or number of pieces and highlighting that you could you could use equivalent fractions for either one. All right. Ready to move on? Yes. Ruth? I was just thinking about how you got to name your strategy and it was ah. really cool. I named my strategy. <laughs> and we made fun of you. <laughs> and you made fun of me. I gotcha. Okay. Yeah, this one is kind of wordy. I take it back. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's All right, funny. Ruth, you get to name the next one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this one is my favorite. We are on slide 14 if you're with us. And we are looking at a picture of some four cookies, like chocolate chip cookies, and um, seven little drawings of kids below that. And then on the other side, there are f- five cookies and six drawings of kit or six little stick people below that so so i'm really curious where you got those cute little kids um just off the internet i probably just googled like um stick figure drawings i don't know people i don't know i I would have given you credit for drawing this did not draw this on the computer but yeah no i didn't draw this (laughs) I think it's funny how those cookies are hanging ominously over their heads. Yeah, and they're like, giant. Kids, don't move. <laughs> they are giant compared you to the kids. by a cookie. <laughs> okay, <laughs> moving on. What math strategies? <laughs> Jay's not going to recover. <laughs> so I think you're just, I don't know. Like I would call this the mom strategy because this is what moms do all the time. You got to share. How are you going to share? I think about the sub, the sub problem that we've talked about. Yep. And um, these cookies look like Wait, they would be really a, annoying. What's a sub if you problem? To, the sub problem is exactly like this. You have six sub sandwiches and you're sharing with um, 15 people or you have nine sub sandwiches and you're sharing with this many people i was trying to so it's a high it's a i was trying to decide whether sub stood for substitute or subdivide submarine submarine i was like what is it what is the sub we will link it in the show notes okay yeah okay keep going ruth um so you're just sharing like who which group of kids are going to get a bigger size cookie Mm-hmm. And then who's going to eat all the crumbs? Because those cookies look like they're going to make lots of crumbs. <laughs> yeah. Jay, yeah, anything you want to add on this one? Um, I remember when I first saw the slide, <clears throat> I was, you know, looking at the picture, trying to, you know, and, and my first thing was one side has fewer cookies for more kids and the other one has more cookies for fewer kids. And I know which group of kids I want to be in. Yeah. The one who's going to get more of a cookie. Yeah. And so I didn't even look at numbers. Like I didn't say, you know, there are four over seven or five over six. I could just visually look and say, that group of kids has less cookies to choose or has less cookies to split up. I don't want to be in that group. Right. Good. Um, When I did this one, first of all, there's a lot of, you know, what is that called? Explode, brain explosion. Again, mind blown kind of moments for, for a lot of them. And... Um, They said a couple of things. One of the things that they said was maybe this should be 
one of the first strategies, <laughs> you know, that like they, they asked me, where does this go? And I had it as one of the last ones, but they were like, this could be one that they could use a lot of the time. Um, so they, they were, some of the teachers were saying like, I put this first. Um, they really liked how practical it was and they felt like a lot of kids would get it, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked them, how much does that mean each kid gets? Like how much, how much do they get? Let me pause them. On the first side, they each get four sevenths of a cookie. Yeah. So, so here's the thing: nobody in the room, and I'm not dragging them at all, but nobody in the room indicated that they knew that. Like they didn't, they hadn't yet made the. Did you have the numbers from them? No, they just didn't understand. Like, that, okay. and that comes from if you've never been, if you've never had this task of take four things and split it into seven groups and see what you have. Oh, eventually you're going to end up with four. It's going to be tough. You're not going to really want to do it, but you're yeah, eventually going to end up cooking into seven pieces. Yeah, like, mm-hmm. um, that maybe maybe somebody was trying to not like take over there, but but nobody indicated that they that made that connection that four sevenths is the amount of the cookie that they're going to get and five six is the amount of the cookie that they're going to get what they did say one of the the one teacher who was brave enough to like put out an answer she was like um they're gonna get she i can't remember exactly what she said but she said they're gonna get about a half is that right one two yeah because yeah, three and a half seven a half. yeah and then the other one she said they're gonna get almost a whole you know yeah. and i was like "Ooh, that's really good she's like really um estimating there you yeah. know mm-hmm. um you know five six everybody just pinches off a little piece of cookie and gives it that poor kid at the end yeah it gets the crumbly just got pieces. a handful of cookie crumbles yeah which is like and cj is- that is that's the strategy that the kids use in that sub problem i was gonna say the same we thing talking about <laughs> yeah yeah and you end that sub problem with saying oh look five subs and six kids and you write five over six and someone's like what we could have just made a fraction it's like the greatest problem yeah when they come to that revelation at the end except for that poor kid on the end that's got a plate full of soggy bread and crushed up (laughs) lunch meat now (laughs) (laughs) yeah yep Okay. Has to eat their sub with a fork. So Ruth calls this the mom strategy. I I heard it <laughs> called the cookies and kids strategy. Well, you can use whichever one you want. Um, right. So yeah, if you think if you can find a, if you look at two fractions and you find a situation where there are they are less things that you're sharing and more people you're sharing them with, then you know that that's a smaller fraction. I will say. <clears throat> Back just at this one, you had talked about whoever in your workshop had said, well, this one's close to half and this one's almost a whole. But when they are like in my mental number line, it was close to a half, but it was on the big side of a half. Mm-hmm. And this was close to a whole, but it was on the small side of a whole. Sometimes I would do that same thing and it ended up that they would actually pass each other on the number line. So it may have only been, it may have been close to a whole. But because I wasn't paying close enough attention to the size of the pieces, they actually fooled me with how, you know, this was just a little bit over a half. But if it's, you know, three quarters yeah. and this one, you know, so anyway, it's it, they can they can pass when you're trying to quick estimate and you end up um, not getting it right because you just kind of a quick glance. Oh, that one's almost a whole. That one's almost a half. And that can that can get you. Which is why it's really good to um, have multiple strategies because you can check yourself. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tracy, I'm looking at this problem thinking about it where you could use a set, like replace those cookies with a bag of Skittles and put seven Skittles in each bag. And that would really help the students see that they would have four sevens because you would be able to say, well, if everyone gave three then the two kids at the end or the three kids at the end. You understand what I'm saying? I did not follow you. Try Replace again. the cookies with Skittles. So you have four bags of Skittles instead of four cookies. And each bag of Skittles has seven Skittles in it. Yeah. Instead of having to crunch up little cookies, you're splitting up sets to divide between the kids. Okay. 
two people got it. I'm not sure I'm going to get it, but you can try again or we can just move on and say, yep. <laughs> well, you're using four. fraction. Like if you're, if you're dividing these cookies into four sevenths of a cookie, you, it may not be as easy to see as if you're dividing a group of seven Skittles into four sevenths. And then all your leftover Skittles push down to the kids at the end. I'm not trying to be dumb, but I just don't get it yet. Can we say what we have again? Are we going to cut this out? Because <laughs> I'm not. No, because people need to know that I got it and you didn't. <laughs> okay. All right. So what do we have four of them? What do we have seven of? We have four bags of Skittles. Every bag of Skittles within it has seven little round skits. Okay. How does that how does that go with four divided by seven? You still have seven kids. So everyone's oh. gonna but open you their can Skittles. Divide a bag of seven Skittles it, it by sevens a lot quicker than you can a cookie. Okay. Okay. S- Ruth say that you say it. You were getting ready to say something. I I mean, literally I would just have those four bags of Skittles up there and say, How would you share these with seven people? And the first kid might say, well, I could open my bag and give everyone in this whole group one of my Skittles. And the next girl could give everyone in her group one of her Skittles. And when you do that with your four bags, everybody has four Skittles. Okay. I got it. But Uh, it's easier to do that. You can do it easier with Skittles than cookies. I got you, you can also see it. And then you could go back and say, what portion of, what fraction of the bag does each kid have? They I have four it. out of a seven. So a hole is not a Skittle. A hole is a bag of seven Skittles. I finally got it. I was trying to make the seven in the bag, in the original mm. bag, match what the, the meaning of the seven in the fraction. No, but we still got seven little kids that are hungry for Skittles you know. and cookies. I got you. And mm-hmm. you're saying it's easier to split up a set than it is to split up a cookie into sevenths. I got it. Thank you for not giving up on me. No problem. <laughs> See, that's the whole mom strategy. Like, let's not break this cookie. Let's just eat those when there's only four kids. That one let's is called Skittles. Skittles and siblings. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> that strategy. Or, or gummies and kids. Yeah. That's not uh, yeah. alliterative. Skittles and siblings. I got it. Cookies and kids. Skittles and siblings. Right. Not gummies and children. Y'all, that was a good... Uh, that was a good addition to that strategy. Thank you for, yeah. for adding for adding that. Okay. In this point in the um, PD, we took a moment to just pause and reflect. And I have a, a slide with all of the strategies. You're already laughing. I have a, a slide with all the strategies on there. And I just asked them to like, take a minute. You've heard a whole lot of things. Some of them are probably new. Take it in. And then what do you want to comment? Um, so any thoughts? So I get to say it because you have that little butterfly uh-huh. that looks like you hand drew it. I did. To remind them that somewhere in their teaching, someone's taught them that the butterfly strategy is amazing. And they would be really smart if they could raise their hand and teach you the butterfly strategy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Only to be shot down with, oh, tell me more about that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the meaning? Why does that work? So let's just, let's call it out in case someone is like, we don't know what you're talking about. So the butterfly strategy is a name for where you multiply the denominator of one fraction and the numerator of the other, and you put the product up beside the numerator, and then you do the same thing on the the other diagonal. And so you're doing this like two diagonal circles, which kind of ends up looking like butterfly wings and whichever fraction has the bigger number beside it is the bigger fraction. Um, And so I pointed out that that doesn't have any conceptual meaning behind it. And yes, it's going to work every time, but also sometimes you get really nasty fractions and who wants to like multiply when you could just think about it. Um, you know, like one twelfth and eight ninths, you know, or even even three twelfths and eight ninths or something. You know, you could I don't want to do that multiplication. I want to just think about it that one's less than a half and one's greater than a half. Um, so I told them that 
it's the strategy that shall not be named. And if a kid came to my fourth grade class and said, oh, my third grade teacher taught me the butterfly, I, you know, kind of said, we don't say that in here. And, you know, I explained that if you use that, that's fine. But that can cannot in our class be the justification for your um, for why one's greater than the other. You have to find some other conceptual way that you're going to explain how you know one's bigger than the other. Jay, you want to? I and could just tell you. heading, well, heading into algebra. So in fourth grade, if a or third grade, if a child is taught the butterfly, so then they get to sixth grade and they are simplifying, cross simplifying, so that they can multiply fractions, and then they get to sixth grade or seventh grade and they're taught proportions, and proportions are compared using that strategy because proportions use one-step equations where you are solving for the missing variable. And so uh, there's just this disconnect between a kid who's has this standalone strategy called the butterfly that no one's put meaning to, mm-hmm. and then you have to use it to, you know, in algebra, you use it all the time, but kids are constantly not knowing whether they're cross-simplifying or multiplying. Um, It's just a, it's better if it's introduced with proportions and one-step equations. Yeah. So it's not misapplied at all these other random spots. Yes. Were you going to add something, Jay? I was going to say, you know, I was trying to, I was listening to your explanation. I was trying to reach into the dark depths of my own brain. And I can't, like... If given me a sheet of paper and a pencil and enough time, I could probably figure out how to make that work. Mm-hmm. But I can't, I can't comprehend how that works right off. I mean, I remember hearing about it. Um, is that the same as cross multiplying? See, it, in reality, no, because cross multiplying is really cross dividing, but they call it cross multiplying, which is really where you're getting all this confusion. <laughs> so cross multiplying, Jay, is if you had four-fifths times um, ten-eighths, and you would want to simplify those fractions, you would quote-unquote cross-multiply, when in reality you're dividing. But people don't say cross-dividing because it... Well, have you ever heard of that, cross-dividing? No, but that's really what you're doing. So I just feel like... So many things with fractions are learn this algorithm, learn this algorithm, learn this algorithm. And then you get to algebra and there's letters in there and the students don't have conceptual understanding. Um, The reason the butterfly works, though, is because it would be the same as finding a common denominator of your two fractions but the only common denominator you have is the product. So if you were going to find a common denominator for four and eight, you could use eight. But if you're using the butterfly, it would be equivalent to using 32 32 every time. And then the two numbers at the top would be your numerators of those two common denominator fractions. So that's why it works. It just, like Tracy said, it makes them really big. They don't understand the conceptual part behind it and it makes it really confusing as they continue through all the other things you can do with fractions well i'm not even going to try to learn it yeah good okay so i'll get in trouble if i try to use it (laughs) yeah that's right so we had that conversation with the teachers and and you know they were like by that point they're like okay you know they they no one nobody wanted to be sent out of the room by saying the word butterfly (laughs) so they were of course they're being quiet so the next um slide was a time where we broke up into small groups on zoom and i gave them access to a comparing fraction strategy sort which is a google slide document and i i had there's a chart that has all those strategies that we just learned um like columns for each strategy and then these pairs of fractions off on the side that are being compared and they have to drag the pairs of fractions underneath the column that they would of the strategy that they would use to compare them so for example 
the first one says four-fifths or four-ninths. If you had to compare those, you would put that under probably same number of pieces. Yes. Um, and then there's this little yellow, these little yellow rectangles um, that they then drag over and put over top of the um, of the bigger fraction. And so they were sent to work on this in pairs um, so that they could kind of practice thinking, which strategy am I going to use? Cool. Um, so Tracy, I'm curious, would you have a teacher use this kind of a activity in her fourth grade class? Like, do you feel like it's important for the students to be able to decide which strategy to use? So I think, yes, I think this particular slide is kind of overwhelming with, there's a lot of, it's a lot on this. There's a lot. So I actually remade a kid version of this for one of the Hmm. teachers that I work with and I'll share that and like for example it it just had some same size pieces and same number pieces and they were sorting between those two and then it had another slide where it was um which ones of these fractions are greater than a half equal to a half and and less than a half um I don't know I, I I like didn't have quite so much on each slide. So I'll share that. Gotcha. I think it turned out pretty cool. Um, and then I went on to a game that I like to play uh, for, just, I just quickly shared this, for um, ordering fractions because the fifth grade standard really goes into you could be given up to four fractions and decimals and you have to put them in order. Um, this, you know, we didn't really talk any about how fractions and decimals are related. So comparing, but more than just two. Yeah. They had to put, they, they could have to put four fractions in order or four fractions and decimals. Which is where you want a variety of strategies because exactly. if the only yeah. thing you've done is find common denominators, it takes all your time to do that with four numbers. Yeah. That's gross. So this is a game from Ames, um, which I don't know if you know this, but you can no longer buy their... Um, activities online like they sort of shut down their store did you know that oh i did, I did not because know that. you told me yeah so they, they it still exists and it's more like a pd kind of company but they you can't buy their activities anymore but this particular you can remake the idea this particular um task is where you there's they have like a deck of playing cards and the playing cards are um just fractions and they have um, halves, thirds, fourths, fifths, eighths, uh, tenths, twelfths, sixths, all of those denominators. And then the the pack actually has bigger than that, like even eighteenths and twenty-fourths, but I always take those out to play this game. Um, and you just deal out the cards to the kids, and you set up the zero and the one on the table or the floor in front of you to be like a number line. And then they take turns adding... A fraction in the right spot like where they think it would go on the number line there's it's an open number line there's not actually any marks on it um placing it where they think they would go and then justifying why it goes there and if they are right or just once they get it right i just let them keep explaining till they can get it correct um once they get it right then they get the number of points that matches their denominator so it encourages them to think about equivalent fractions and work with bigger denominators so if they placed four eighths it in the one half spot, then they would get eight points because the denominator is eight. Hmm. Um, I have this, but I've never played it that way. That's oh. pretty cool. Um, so I may just so I could because I was giving this training over Zoom. I may I found a website called PlayingCards.io, and it's a way that you can actually play cards with people virtually. Um, it sounds like it doesn't like how do you do that how can you not see each other's hands well it it has a thing where you can like drag your deck of your little hand of cards into your spot where you can view only i'm not even trying to explain it it's it's just go there and look at it it's it's pretty cool. cool so i've made a deck um for of these cards and and was able to demonstrate it we didn't actually play it um but i was able to demonstrate how it would work any other thoughts no it's a good it's a good demonstration of a physical game i like it yeah ruth you good i'm good okay yeah so then i then i stopped and asked if they had any questions and i (laughs) i'm gonna be honest i um was hoping not (laughs) right no to to move (laughs) on to the next section um 
I was afraid if I said that this training was going to only be about comparing fractions that people weren't going to come. So you're like, uh, I know how to compare fractions. <laughs> so I said... It's when about I, comparing fractions and cookies? Yeah. I said, we're going to definitely do comparing fractions and then we'll touch on adding and subtracting fractions, knowing full well that I probably wasn't going <laughs> was to fully get there. So I ended up having to have a part two. <laughs> that's a that's a pattern. Um, and they came back the next Monday for like a quick conversation about um, about adding and subtracting. So do you want me to give that little overview, y'all? I think so, yeah. Okay. Um, so there are four um, things to keep in mind that came straight out of the Vandewall and Friends book, um, which are start with context. So this is when you're getting ready to do fraction operations. And then for, for us, that is adding and subtracting. And then we have to do also um, multiplying a fraction times a whole number. So the first, when you're going to tackle that, the first thing you want to do is make sure you start with context. We do not want to start with, okay, everybody, let's add one half plus one fourth. We want to say, put it inside a story um, and then the second point being explore with different models. If you put a fraction operation um, like opportunity inside a story and then give them the models that match that, then they can figure it out. They really can. If they have a flexible use of the models, they can start to figure it out even before they know what operation they're using if, if the story's strong enough. Um, and then that moves into the third point, which is estimation and invented methods. If they are given a good story and ha can use the model to figure that out, then that's going to help them be able to estimate and be able to sort of sometimes invent strategies and, and that then you can sort of connect to the more traditional strategies or, or algorithms. Um, and then the final thing is to address misconceptions. You know, just talk about why is it, why does it not make any sense to add denominators or, you know, all the kinds of mistakes that they make, like you've got to, you've got to tackle those as part of your instruction. But do you tackle that up front? No. Okay. No, okay. no, no, no. This isn't all. This isn't like a checklist before you get into it. Right. This is more like I, I guess I didn't say that well. This is more like a a progression of your gotcha of your unit. Ruth, any thoughts? I'm I'm just looking at your problems, and I feel like that's really important. I remember when I did this last year, and we were running. We spent a long time thinking about all the different kinds of word problems yeah. and then applying them to fractions. And you want to provide your students, not just I had some pizza and I ate some, how much is left? Right. But like yours, number two is how much more did I order than him and what mm -hmm. fraction am I taking home? Yeah. Um, and why did so, you order more pizza than me? <laughs> I was really hungry. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> um, they also... This is where you, because you're talking about pizza, you want to kind of find the model that helps the student best visualize that. So you would use your pattern blocks as their tool um, rather than their fraction bars because it doesn't, it just doesn't help them. Like if you're going to use an invented strategy, then you want it to look like pizza. And let's all just be, like have our headache together of asking a third grader to draw a circle and cut it into six, <laughs> give them something to touch so they don't have to. Yeah. Yeah. They can Please. pick up the pattern blocks and go, Ooh, this green piece that's already in a triangle is one six of the whole hexagon. Mm -hmm. And so your, your hexagons are your pizzas. Yes. Mm -hmm. Hexagonal pizzas. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and then later, if you're going to like the next day or two days or three days from now, you can do some stories where you're talking about um, how far somebody ran parts of a mile. And then mm -hmm. you're then that's when you do use your fraction bars or fraction towers. You know, that was a great yes. point is to match your tool to your story. Um, so I took a little moment to pause here and talk about um, a game that I I don't know if I made it or found it or whatever, but uh, I've called it cover up. Um, and how I feel like it's, what are you laughing at? 
Because you just get to keep naming stuff. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm going to take all that bad stuff back I said about your subtraction st- strategies. Um, probably somebody out there is like, I made up this game where you, you're taking credit for it. So I'm sorry. I've played this for so long. I'm not so sure. But anyway, just um, the idea being you take – I just draw on the on a piece of paper – six hexagon like trace the yellow hexagon six times on or five or six times on a paper for each kid and then use fraction dice um and there if you get them from like eai i think there's one die that's unit fractions where all the numerators are one and then there's one die where the um it's all bigger fractions bigger than unit fractions and so they roll the piece they roll the die and that tells them how many pieces or how much to put on top of their little um, hexagon template okay and so if they um, roll five six that's on the die then they pick up five green triangles and lay it over top of the their little empty hexagon and the goal is to fill it all the way up to fill all of those all the way up so I would say like then picture they rolled um, three-fourths as the next one I would want them to fully finish the first hexagon before they move to the next hexagon. So that's going to start to force some exchanges and some equivalent fraction kind of action. So one thing they could do is say, here's this, here's this red, are y'all following me? Here's Mm -hmm. this red trapezoid I've got to put in here, but I've only got one little green triangle hole. So I'm going to trade my red trapezoid for three green triangles, put one of them in that first spot and then move the other two to the second hexagon. So you're, you're making trapezoid change. Yes, exactly. And so it's it's getting them confident with what the pieces are in the hexagon. And then it's like, look at what they just did. Three, six is equal to one half. Um, and I feel like you probably, I would want them to have played that game maybe even a couple of times before they tackled these pizza practical problems so that they kind of could quickly do exchanges and, mm-hmm. and and we're more confident with how you model each of the fractions. What are you laughing at, Jay Prophet? I'm laughing at the imaginary world where you can order one third of a pizza somewhere. <laughs> you just order the pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that that is pretty much where I ended. I have, I have, you know, about six practical problems on here that I was just, like Ruth said, trying to point out don't just make them all the kind of problem that is um, join result unknown. Mm-hmm. You want to do all the, you know, there's like 12 different kinds when you're looking at addition and subtraction. You want to try to do multiple different problem structures. Oh, we made it to the end. We did. The giant feedback slide. This is yeah. a really good resource, Tracy. Thank you. Like I'm, yeah. yeah. Thanks. I hope people will use it. Take it and use it. All right. Um, any any uh, takeaways, y'all? I do have a takeaway. Go. So yesterday we were taught we were looking at uh, oh, part one in the last episode, previously on math before breakfast. <laughs> we were looking at the little the hexagon, the yellow hexagons and the different shapes. What yeah. are they called? Pattern, Pattern blocks. blocks that go on top of them. And you were talking about now just pizza, and and they it reminded me I watched last week there was a video on YouTube. Um, and it's called hexagons are the best of guns. Ooh. It's really it's it explains, you know, this the the YouTube channel um is CGP C G P Gray and he does all kinds of like explanation videos and you know, they're not all math by any means, but this one, you know, talks about why hex you know, why hexagons are so cool really. And you know, like you can make a grid of them and they and they interlock uh, uh, and there you know only so many you know, only so many shapes can do that. And, and it was just, it was just really, and I remember watching last week and go, Tracy would like this. And then, you know, I forgot about it and never told you again. <laughs> cool. But it, it made me think about it when we were talking about the hexagons now. So hexagons are the best of guns. I, or, that reminds me on Twitter. I saw, if I can find it, I'll link it in the show notes. But I saw somebody doing like a um, a bracket. Is that what it's called? A, a bracket of um, of shapes, you know, like instead of, Football like teams, yeah, or or cookies. Yeah, it's or, called or not, a bracket, but the brackets cookies. can also be other things. I wasn't sure what you're talking yeah. about. Um, candy. We saw we saw somebody do at the beginning of the pandemic. Somebody did a, a bracket with candy. 
Um, you but did, did you want to add something? The, the bracket idea, but I want to make sure you're done. Oh, just that I saw somebody do that in their class with shapes. I thought that was a cool idea. Cool. Um, you were talking about bracket, and this is something that Trip was telling me yesterday about. They had, and it just made me think about this. Okay. Um, they were adding several numbers together. Yeah. So I think in his in his instance, it was um, prices on something or, or some money they spent. And it was a it was a bunch of numbers that they were adding, and say you had eight of eight numbers you had to add together. And I said, "How'd you do that, buddy? Did you, you know, did you?" St- I asked him, "How do you line up the numbers?" Because at that point, I thought they were still I thought they may be decimals, mm-hmm. and I was seeing if you you know, and being my total lack of knowledge of when you teach what to math students, <laughs> he, he I was like, oh, "Are they were they decimals?" Like, no, they were all whole numbers. Um, and so it doesn't matter how you line up. And I was like, you know, and line them up. And he was like, line them up. And of course, in my head, when you do math problems, you stack all the numbers on top of each other. Yeah. You line up the decimal point and you add down. Well, he took a whole group of numbers and he added through a bracket. He added the first two, the next two, the next two, and the next two. And then you get, like, so you went from eight, now you have four numbers. And you add those two and those two. And now you have two numbers. And you add those two to get your final. Yeah. Was Is that a strategy that you do or does he just do it that way? I think that he, that's his invented strategy. So he has an addition bracket. Yeah. That's cool. See, and he could probably name it that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ruth, <laughs> you're not going to let it go ever, <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Oh, that was awesome. So my takeaway has nothing to do with fractions, but Jay brought up his website. And then that reminded me of last year when I was teaching scientific notation and Jay brought up Carly Rae Jepsum's YouTube video and mm-hmm. how many times it had been viewed. And yesterday, maybe the day before, the um, DJ of the radio station I was listening to informed me that the Baby Shark video on YouTube has been viewed seven billion times it's past all youtube viewings and so i'm adding that to my scientific notation (laughs) powerpoint today that's ridiculous yeah all those poor parents (laughs) (laughs) that's awesome my takeaway has nothing to do with any of this it's just something i want to share which is that i have um been working with one student um, kind of in a remediation sort of setup or whatever on Zoom, and I've been creating these Google Forms that I think you could maybe call an escape, digital escape room. I think that's kind of a stretch, but just the idea where you have to get the answer right before you can move on to the next section of the um Google form and and I've there's kind of a story to what's happening and they are all they all have to do with practical problems that are like on a fifth grade level um with whole numbers and I just think they're really cool so I'm going to share them on the um show notes I sound a little full of myself right there when I said that but I I put so much time into making them and I think that you know it could be something that you could you're gonna have to take and tweak it if you want to use it but it might spark an idea if when you just need, you know how you just need something to make practicing problems cool. Yes. This is, this could be the thing. And it's cool. I think one of the things that makes it good is because I've added like images into it and I've added, you can embed a, a YouTube video right within, um, right within the slides or right within the form. Yes. And so every time the kid gets it right, he gets a one minute video reward basically to kind of yeah. keep, want to keep going. That's cool. All right. Well. Hey, hold on. So Ruth said, was talking about Baby Shark. Oh, yeah. And anytime, you know, it's just funny how my brain works. My favorite <laughs> podcast, well, other than Math Before Breakfast, <laughs> is uh, 20,000 Hertz. And it's all about sound. And they did an episode last year on the song Baby Shark and its origins and a deep dive into where it came from and how it got to be so popular. It's a great listen. Okay. So 20,000 Hertz, 20k.org. Um, or you can look it up in your podcast and there's an episode about baby shark. It's great. And we'll put it in the show notes. How long is it? Um, their episodes are about, you know, usually about 30 minutes. Oh, that's probably a waste of class time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know that I would play it with the whole class, but if, yeah. Cool. That's funny. All right, Ruth, I will actually see you on a run tomorrow. Okay. All right. Sounds like a plan. See ya. <laughs>